what's coming up now on Established in the Faith. I know what I'm talking about because I've upset some folks. I've upset some folks in my own family that where they don't even talk to me no more. But you got to shell it down. You've got to tell it like it is, and you got to tell them the truth. Sin has to be addressed, no matter what the consequences may be. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. And how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me, please, to the book of 2 Kings. The book of 2 Kings, chapter 2. 2 Kings, chapter 2. We're going to pick it up in verse 23 today. 2 Kings, chapter 2, verse 23. And Elisha went up from thence unto Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city, and mocked him, and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head, go up, thou bald head. And he turned, and looked on them, and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the woods. And tear forty and two children of them. As we read these verses today, something doesn't line up. Something doesn't sound quite right. These were just some little children playing around, having fun, or so it seems. And for God to allow two bears to literally tear them apart, to die in such a violent manner, just doesn't seem right. It's a bit severe. The punishment doesn't seem to fit the crime. But I want you to understand this today. Whatever God does or allows is always right. It's always for our good, although on the outward appearance at the time it may not seem like it. That's number one. Number two, like I said, everything that God does is right. Number three, God's decisions are based on perfect knowledge. He knows all things, past, present, and future. And number four, whenever Elisha cursed these children in the name of the Lord, if you look there in verse 24, God honored his request almost immediately. So the severity of the punishment tells us that there was more going on here than meets the eye. And I want to deal with that this morning. Forty-two children killed by two bears. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help today. Heavenly Father, 
Lord, I come before your throne of grace today, and I thank you for this opportunity to stand before the people and to minister your word. Lord, I thank you for every person that's under the sound of my voice today, whether they be here in the service, out in the parking lot, others listening by radio, the internet, by CD or some other device. Lord, I I thank you for the platform you have given. And Lord, I ask for your anointing today to rightly divide the word of truth. And I ask you, Lord, to anoint the people to hear and receive of your word. Lord, that the questions might be answered, needs might be met. Lord, that in some way we'll all be drawn a little closer to you is my prayer today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. If you look there in verse 23, the Bible says that Elisha went up to Bethel. The story of Bethel goes back some 900 years to Jacob. Jacob stole his brother Esau's birthright. And Esau wasn't too happy about it. Esau was a cunning hunter, the Bible says. And Jacob is on the run, running from his brother. He thinks that His brother could be around the corner at any minute to do him in. And in Genesis chapter 28, verse 11, the Bible says that he lighted upon a certain place. He's exhausted. He's just wore out. And he tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took the stones of that place and put them for his pillows. And lay down in that place to sleep. Understand this today, ladies and gentlemen. Sin is what brought him to this place. Sin will take you further than you intended to go. It will cost you more than you're willing to pay. And if you make your bed hard, you have to lay in it. And although Jacob had done some things and he finds himself in a hard situation, the Lord's grace and mercy shined down upon him that night. God dealt with him in a dream. Let me just stop right here for a minute and say this. God knows how to deal with you. God knows what it's going to take to deal with you, to get you where you need to be. And there are some of you under the sound of my voice today, you're praying about a loved one. They're in a situation and they could possibly lose their soul. The situation is severe. You've thought about this scenario, that scenario. Maybe if I intervene and I do this, maybe if I do that, if things were set up in such a way that it would get their attention and God would deal with them. God knows how to deal with that person without you doing anything. All you need to do is pray for them. God knows how to deal with them. And in this situation here, God dealt with Jacob in a dream. 
And the Bible says in verse 12, Genesis 28 verse 12, He dreamed a dream, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and the top of it reached into heaven. That ladder, ladies and gentlemen, was a type of Christ. There was only one ladder. There's only one way to heaven, ladies and gentlemen, that is through and by Jesus Christ, who He is and what He did at Calvary. That is the only way to heaven. There, there are not any other ways. Jesus said that no man comes unto the Father but by me. One ladder. And God has always dealt with mankind through and by that ladder. The cross. It's your only way to heaven. It's the only way that God can deal with you. It's the only way through and by which the Holy Spirit can move and work and touch and bless. Is through and by that ladder of the cross. And God dealt with him that night. Jacob had nothing. And yet God promised him everything. If you look there in verse 13... The Lord stood at the top of that ladder and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it into thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in thee... And in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Jacob had nothing but just the clothes on his back. And God promised him everything. And when Jacob woke up that morning, verse 16, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. Glory to God. He said, the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And in verse 18, he took the stone that he had put for his pillars, and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it, and he called the name of the place Bethel, which means house of God. Remember that. Bethel means house of God. Of God. And in verse 20, Jacob vowed a vow and said, if you look there in verse 21, the Lord shall be my God. Jacob got saved right there in Bethel, the house of God. Of course, you can get saved anywhere. You can get saved under an oak tree. You can get saved on the street corner. You can get saved in the car riding down the road. You can get saved anywhere. But it's the presence of God that does the drawing, the convicting, and the working. Jacob got saved there at Bethel. Eight hundred years later, a lot has happened. And Jacob has become a mighty nation. God fulfilled his promise to Jacob, and Jacob has now become the mighty nation of Israel, ruled by kings. Now, the first king of Israel 
was Saul. Saul was the people's choice. Saul was not God's choice. It was the people's choice. And the end result was disaster. David was the second king of Israel. David was God's choice. And by the help of God, David was able to conquer all of Israel's enemies. And he pushed the boundaries of Israel to the farthest extent of what God promised Abraham. David, when he died, his son Solomon took the throne of Israel. During the reign of Solomon, Israel enjoyed one of the greatest times in all of its history. It's been said that all the gold and silver of the world made its way to Jerusalem. The glory years. Solomon served God for a long time, but he had a problem with the women folks. The Bible says he married some strange women, and they turned his heart away from God. And the Lord took the kingdom away when his son Rehoboam became king over Israel. The Bible tells us that Rehoboam forsook the counsel of the old men that stood before him. You can read this in 1 Kings chapter 12. The old men that stood before his father Solomon, they were wise men. They had good counsel. But Rehoboam forsook their counsel and took counsel of the young men that he grew up with. The old men advised him to speak kindly to the people. And promised to serve them. And he said, if you will promise to serve the people, these people will follow you. Sounds like good counsel to me. But he forsook good common sense. Which is what a lot of people are doing today. They're just forsaking good common sense. And going into these newfangled ways. And now our country's in a mess. I mean, we're so messed up today, we don't even know what bathroom to go into anymore. A lot of confusion in this country today. But he adhered to the advice of the young men that said, lay heavy burdens on the people. Reign over them with a rod of iron and you'll gain their respect. The end result of that counsel was disaster. The kingdom was divided. The two tribes of Judah and Benjamin sided with Rehoboam, which made up the southern kingdom of Israel. And the rest of Israel sided with Jeroboam, which made up the northern kingdom. Now I said all of that to say this. Every year Israel was to come together. They were to gather themselves together at the temple in Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover. The Passover was a type of what Jesus would do for us at Calvary. The Passover in the Old Testament is actually the Lord's Supper in the New. 
Jesus said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. When you partake of the Lord's Supper, you're not just doing something to keep the Lord's memory alive. When you partake of the Lord's Supper, ladies and gentlemen, you are entering into his life. His perfect life. You're entering into his ministry. You're entering into his death at Calvary. You're buried with him and raised with him to walk in a newness of life. You're entering into fellowship, communion with Christ. That's what it represents. That's what the Passover Represented. In effect, as you eat that bread and drink of that cup, you are applying the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to the doorpost of your heart, just like the children of Israel did in the land of Egypt. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague will not destroy you. The plague of sin which has killed every single human being that's ever lived, will not destroy you. You'll die a physical death, yes. But spiritual death, eternal separation from God in a place called hell, you don't want to go there, my friend. If you'll accept Jesus Christ as your Savior today, take that blood that He shed at Calvary and apply it by faith to the doorpost of your heart. God said, when I see that blood, I'll pass over you. Your sins will be forgiven. You'll be washed. You'll be cleansed of your sins. And when you stand before Him one day, He'll not bring up your past. He'll not bring up your sin. The only thing He's going to bring up is the book, the Lamb's book. And he's going to ask the question, is his name written in the book? And whosoever's name was found written in the book of the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, they will enter in into the joy of the Lord. When you get there, ladies and gentlemen, it won't be because of what you did or did not do. It'll be because of your faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary. That's what the Passover represented. They were supposed to go to Jerusalem. And celebrate the Passover. Jeroboam saw this as an opportunity for Rehoboam to take the kingdom back. So here's what he did to stop it. 1 Kings 12 verse 28. The Bible says, Dana if you will put it up on the screen. He made two calves of gold and told the people it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold. Thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. He set one of those gold calves in Bethel, which means house of God. This idol made of gold, this thing which was made by the hands of man, is now in the house of God. He told the people, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem and worship. Come worship here. Set one in Bethel. He set the other one in Dan. And in verse 32, the Bible says that Jeroboam ordained a feast like unto the feast that is in Judah, the Passover. 
and he offered upon the altar, so did he in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he had made. And by the time of that Elijah come on the scene, these people had been worshiping a golden calf in the house of God for 80 years. Now you think of that. 80 years, these people have been going to this temple and worshiping what they thought was God, what they thought was right, but it was a false salvation. It was a false way. There's nothing worse than a false sense of salvation, ladies and gentlemen. Someone who thinks they're right, and yet they're wrong. Someone who thinks that they're going to heaven, but they're deceived, and they're going to hell. I'd rather deal with a man on the street that's drunk than deal with a religious person. And I'll tell you why. That man on the street that's drunk... He knows what he's doing is wrong. But when you're dealing with a religious person that goes to church every week, but yet they're living like hell the rest of the time, or they're living a lifestyle that's not according to the Word of God, but yet they still read the Bible and they go to church, false doctrine. You can't tell them nothing. can't tell them nothing. I know what I'm talking about. They've been deceived. It is a spirit, a spirit of false doctrine. And My friend, let me tell you, this land's full of it today. The Bible says in the last days that they will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And God told Elijah... 2 Kings 2, verse 2. He said, I want you to go to Bethel. I want you to go to Bethel, he said. And Elijah turned to Elisha and said, The Lord's told me to go to Bethel. And he told Elisha, You can tarry here if you want to, but the Lord's called me to go there. I got some business to take care of. We don't know exactly what business Elijah had in Bethel. Could it be that God wanted Elijah to go to Bethel to preach a word against this false way? Is it possible? Let me tell you this. You can preach on a lot of things. But when you start dealing with a person's gold calf. Preacher, you can talk about anything you want to talk about. But now let's don't start talking about this right here. Whatever this right here may be. You done touched the golden calf, preacher. If you want to keep your job, preacher. Better stay away from this subject right here now. Let me tell you this. If it comes up, it comes out. 
the Lord deals with me about it, I'm going to deal with you about it. Sin has to be addressed. You can't ignore sin, ladies and gentlemen. If you do, it's like a cancer. And it consumes the whole until it's dead. So sin has to be addressed. And this that was going on in Bethel was sin. Been going on for 80 years. Could it be that God sent Elijah to Bethel to preach against this false doctrine? If he went there and he preached against this false doctrine, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, he upset some folks. I know what I'm talking about because I've upset some folks. I've upset some folks in my own family that where they don't even talk to me no more. But you got to shell it down. You've got to tell it like it is, and you got to tell them the truth. Sin has to be addressed, no matter what the consequences may be. And if Elijah went in there with a thus saith the Lord dealing with those gold calves, he upset some folks. But now they knew Elijah. They wouldn't dare mess with Elijah. They knew about all the miracles and things that had taken place during Elijah's ministry. They knew that he had called fire down out of heaven and it consumed the sacrifice. They knew that he had withheld rain for three, three and a half years. There will not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. How he laid upon the widow's son and he was raised from the dead. Perhaps they knew how the rain came after the fire fell on Mount Carmel. Miracle after miracle God performed through the hands of this man. They were mad with him. Could it be that they were mad with him, but they were afraid to do anything? Now, here comes Elisha. Just a few days later, after Elijah and Elisha went to Bethel, here comes Elisha back in the town. Elijah's gone now. He's been translated. Gone out of here. Lord took him up in a chariot of fire. The Bible says, 2 Kings 2 verse 23, He went up from thence unto Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city. The word children is an unfortunate English translation. The Hebrew word here is naer. It means a young person. It can mean anyone from an infant up to one who is 40 years of age. In other places in the Bible, this word is translated young men, 76 times. Only seven times in the Word of God is this word translated children. 
46 times this word is translated young men or young person. Could this have been 42 young men acting like children? Hmm. 42 young men coming at me. I don't know if I like that situation or not. How about you? If you were going into a place and your buddy had just upset everybody there and you were going back in there now by yourself and before you can go in here, they all come out at you, 42 of them. Was Elisha's life in danger? Think about it. Could it be? The Bible says in verse 23 that they mocked him. They scorned, they scoffed at him, they ridiculed him. To ridicule the man of God or any child of God is to ridicule God. It's the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit that's already working today right now they mocked him and they said go up thou bald head go up now on the outward it sounds like some little children just playing around making fun that's what it sounds like nothing worthy of being torn apart by a bear but the phrase go up refers to Elijah's translation. They had heard about Elijah being taken up. Now, whether they believed it or not, Elijah was not there. He was gone. He was out of the picture. And they wanted Elisha gone and out of the picture too. Let me tell you this. This world is going to rejoice when the rapture takes place because they don't want us here. They want us out of here. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be glad when the trump sounds because I don't want to be here either. And if you're a child of God, you shouldn't want to be here. This world is not my home. I am just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels are beckoning me to heaven's. Open door. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Glory to God. If you feel home in this world, you might need to talk to the Lord about that. Because I don't feel comfortable in this world. Now, they said, go up, thou bald head. Go up. Again, it sounds like a bunch of kids just making fun, but the phrase bald head really has nothing to do with the lack of hair. Now, Elisha may have been follically challenged, as some of us are. I don't know. Maybe he was bald-headed, maybe he won't. But the phrase really means a worthless man. A worthless man. Go up, you worthless man. Be translated. Get out of here, you worthless man. 
Now, I can see the world out here making such a statement. I mean, they could not care less about the things of God. They see no value in the things of God. When COVID hit, our government shut down the churches and said the church was non-essential. But yet you could go to the liquor store and buy all you want. But the church was non-essential. And the sad thing about it is a lot of churches saw that what they were doing was non-essential and they closed the doors. And let me tell you, if you're not preaching the cross of Jesus Christ and him crucified, then what you're doing in that church on Sunday morning is non-essential. Close the doors, lock it up, put some gasoline tanks out front and sell gasoline. That's all the good it will do. Non-essential. No value in the things of God. Go up, you worthless man. We see no value in you. The world sees no value in the things of God. But, friend, when the church starts to see no value in the things of God, we've got a problem. When the church sees no value in the Word of God, we've got a problem. The church don't see no value in the Word of God today. If they did, there'd be more people reading it. If the people saw value in the church, there'd be more people here on Sunday morning than what you see. There are less people going to church now than there was before COVID. Why? Because the government said church is non-essential. And people's got it in their heads now that church is non-essential. But let me remind you, church, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And God help us doing nothing is what most churches are doing. Why? Because God is not there. I know I'm touching on the golden calf this morning. I know I'm going to get some ugly phone calls and 252-299-4234. Go up, you bald head, you worthless man. They saw no value in the man of God. Sounds like to me these guys were upset. Sounds like to me these guys had it out for Elijah. They were fixing to do him some harm. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but when you put all this evidence together and you start building the case, you begin to see perhaps God was right in allowing these two bears to come out and do what they did. Of course, now, whatever God does or allows is right. Whether you like it, agree with it, whether... You know, all of this that I described to you this morning was the case or not. It happened, and God allowed it. And what God does is always right. The Bible says that he turned back, Second Kings 2, verse 24. He looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood, and tare forty and two children of them. 
if these were little children, as we normally think of such, and God allowed this, there was a reason for it. And God knows all things, past, present, future. And what God did and allowed was right, whether you agree with it or not. And maybe this morning, after hearing this message, you still got some questions about it. Don't let the questions rob you of your faith. If all of your questions were answered, you wouldn't need faith. Right? And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Perhaps this morning you find yourself in a situation and you're like, Brother James, the, what happened to me was pretty severe. Doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem fair. And you've got some questions. Don't lose faith. God works all things for the good to those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Just hold on. Just hold on. If you don't lose faith... You might not get the answer here in this life, but when you get there and you stand before him one day, you can ask your questions and he's going to give you an answer and you will be satisfied. 42 children killed by two bears. Have faith in God today. Don't let the circumstances and the situations of life rob you of your faith. Today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. That's right, girls. And every Sunday morning, we have Sunday school starting at 9 o'clock and worship service at 10, as well as Bible study and prayer meeting every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. 
All of these services are broadcast to the parking lot for those of you who wish to participate drive-in style. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMED community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.